0: Hello, Internet. My name is Spamoman, as always, your host of Drink to the Past, the only podcast where I've got beer. Actually, that's all of the podcasts that I am on, which is usually just this one, but occasionally the other one that I haven't got around to in a while, and I blame Crow. So it's, it's it's all his fault. Also, share and subscribe and ring that bell to get a notification every Friday when we go live on YouTube. I am joined by co-host and or guests. That's what it says in my ubiquitous opening monologue notes. But you may notice that my co-host is not actually here today, but I do have and or guests. Uh, so this is our uh, good friend uh, T. Crusading. Uh, is that what you go by? Do I, do I just call you that or?
1: Yeah, or, or
0: Jack. Jack, or Jack is fine. Yeah, yeah um, I was like, Whenever I have somebody on the podcast, I always forget to ask them like, do you go by your handle or like your real name or something else? You know, so so yeah, uh, glad to have Jack here. Uh, this is this is gonna be a ton of fun. Um, so I'm gonna get uh, streaming ye old game here, and hopefully I can uh, pay attention to what I'm doing while I'm drinking and gaming and all that. Um, ah, why is it going all over the place? You shouldn't be drifting. I'm using my pro controller. No. No, it's drifting! (laughs) Shit! This is gonna be awkward. (laughs) We're in for a fun-ass night. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, Uh, so I am going to go to Versus Race. So, uh, if you did not see, uh, we're doing a special Pride Day stream, or Pride Month stream. It's the first podcast of Pride Month, so I don't know if I'll do this again Mm -hmm. later Uh, in the month as well, but uh, I'm just going to be doing all Rainbow Road uh, for Pride, so hooray. I also have my Sean Drinks Something Stupid for the week, if you're not familiar with the podcast. Sean Drinks Something Stupid is the part of the podcast where I drink something stupid, and I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately, but this is the stupidest cocktail I have made in a long time, Uh, so... I was trying to think of something like Pride adjacent to uh, make. So I was thinking about like what kind of cocktails I could make. And I was like just looking through my fridge, see uh, what kind of stuff I've got. Um, And uh, so I, I ended up deciding to just go one thing for every color of the rainbow, which was a terrible idea. Uh, Because it would have been a good idea if I had a thing for every color of the rainbow that actually fit together, but I did not. So for red, I have uh, V8 juice. For orange, I have some sort of peach cocktail mixer that I've had since two Christmases ago sitting on top of my fridge because you're supposed to, like, mix it with champagne, and I don't drink champagne. I'm a weird beer guy. So I was like, <laughs> when the hell else am I going to use this? Fine, I'm going to dump it in. Okay, for yellow, of course, I had good old whiskey because, you know, it's it's a cocktail. It's got to have booze in it, so we got some whiskey in there. Uh, green is apple juice. Uh, blue... What did i put in for blue oh yeah i melted an otter pop in the microwave and uh dumped the blue otter pop in and uh for uh purple i got some grape jelly and just uh stirred it right in there uh Wonderful. so yeah so this is going to be absolutely terrible i'm certain uh from v8 juice to grape jelly you didn't see that coming i'm certain so uh it's my experience yeah on the nose it's here it's got, got a, what
2: is, is that, that
1: my experience of making cocktails is that if you put whiskey in them, they will taste terrible. <laughs> whiskey does not mix in cocktails very well.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, like, occasionally i am okay mixers. with it. I like just whiskey myself. I don't like... Oh, every, yeah. And every time I'm, like, looking at a recipe for a cocktail it's and it calls for whiskey, I'm like okay, I could make that. But then I look at my whiskey shelf and all I have is whiskeys that I like to drink. And I'm like, I'd much rather actually just drink the whiskey than put it in the cocktail. But... uh, But,
1: but It goes well with mixers, but I don't think it goes well with much other alcohol, which you usually want in a cocktail.
0: This is not as terrible as I thought it would be.
1: I mean... I don't know. I, I thought it sounded all right, but I'm just a bit of a fiend for jelly, so...
0: Right? <laughs> um, I mean, nothing wrong with jelly. The jelly actually kind of works on the back there. Yeah, uh, There's a lot more... Uh, most of the forward taste is apple juice. Uh, and then you get a little bit of the spice from the V8 stuff. Most of the tomato is covered up by the other stuff, so it actually ends up just being, <laughs> like, a lightly spiced sweet thing. So, actually... uh. Like not not ten out of ten, but you know, ten out of seventeen. This is not the worst cocktail I've had on the podcast. <laughs> uh, you can you can look through our backlog. I've had some weird shit. So, oh dear. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh. <laughs> also, since unfortunately it is uh some crazy ungodly hour in British Standard Time, uh our good buddy is unable to drink so i got my little triforce shot here so i'll drink for you that's a rule on the podcast if if our guest can't drink then i have to drink for you it's more fun that way oh. so i have a little shot here of um what is that coconut rum uh malibu oh, nice. yeah not not too bad oh. nice easy drinking thing all right so anyways how am, I, how am i gonna get in here so what should i do like hard calm? i'm gonna i'm gonna Oh, like screw uh, up I and mean, die anyway. All right, go go forty-eight yeah. races because it's going to be that long until I actually win. Uh, I haven't played on one hundred fifty CC, let alone mirror mode, in a long time because most most of the time anymore when I play this game, I'm playing with my kids, uh, which um, they don't play on on the hard modes. So it's been a it's been a uh-huh. hot minute. You know, I I, I tone it down to fifty CC or hundred CC for them and. And they do all right. They're getting there, but uh, you know they're they're still this, humans. So if this the one in. that has
1: two hundred CC, this
0: is the one that has two hundred CC. So if if I do really good on the mirror mode and I need to crank up the difficulty in order to start drinking more, then I'm gonna <laughs> then I'm gonna <laughs> pop it up to two hundred because I know I suck at two hundred CC. Even when awesome. I was like when this game first came out uh, back in 2017, I got really really good at it, and I I like was playing you know you know, uh, online and getting really good placings all the time in online and, uh, you know, 150cc and all that. But then when I pop it up to 200cc, like, you have to break. So that's not, like, a terrible thing in and of itself, but it really changes the core mechanics of the game because the core mechanics of the game is drifting, and drifting doesn't work on on 200cc. So you got to kind of, you know... Yeah, you
1: really have to just completely change. Yeah, you have to...
0: Relearn the game, and I was just like, "No, I've I've sunk enough time into this game, you know. I'm, I'm not gonna learn how to play it again, right? Yeah. So, that's kind of what I thought about that. All right. Well, I'm not doing too bad here. Uh. So, anyways, let's go into our gaming news. Uh, we call this section the news and booze because we talk about news and uh and booze. So I've already talked about my booze. I got hit by a thwomp. Uh, pretty sure that means I have to drink eventually. But uh, all right. Uh, first piece of gaming news, see if I can look at my other monitor while I'm trying to play Mario Kart, um, is if I can see it. Nintendo announced their E3 presentation will be an E3 Nintendo Direct. No big surprise there. That's what they all did before there was a pandemic. And now, like, <laughs> yep. that's that's basically all anybody can do. Uh, so that's going to air June 15th, which is the third day of E3. It's starting on June 12th. Uh, and... Sp- Said forty-five minutes of uh, news footage from the Nintendo Direct, followed up by uh, about three hours of Treehouse gameplay. So that's more or less in line with what they've already always done. Uh, a little less uh, Treehouse gameplay, but because obviously they don't have to like run an actual literal show floor for people at the show, so it kind of makes sense that they're not having like three days of of that. Uh, so any specific thoughts on? uh what nintendo's e3 plans are um
1: not so much on the plans i mean pretty much to be expected should be pretty good i i look forward to seeing what it is but i'm reserving most of my judgment or hopes for what it could be um because i don't like being disappointed
0: right (laughs) yeah i'm kind of like um, that especially with like all the rumors that are floating around now like i feel like most years rumors around e3 time are just insane uh and mm. specifically this year I feel like it's really bad because like we've been having like hotter and hotter like switch pro rumors specifically since like January mm. this year I feel like like they're they're they've been around even before that but they really mm-hmm. started ramping up in January I feel like uh, at least yeah. in my circles. And then, like, now they're just, like, literally every, like, multiple times a day. I see somebody or another post another Switch Pro leak rumor or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I've got a lot of stuff I hope they'll say. Or hope that they'll release. Right. Um, like, I'd love more news about Metroid Prime 4.
0: Yeah. Uh definitely
1: hype as hell for that Mm -hmm. and um it would be i mean what i've really been waiting for is a um a new switch release with a special edition switch Mm -hmm. because i've always wanted a special edition nintendo console and i've never got one
0: right I always have Um, one before they, like, I have the regular version, and then they announce the special edition, and I'm like, I got it on launch day, and now I don't want to spend an extra, you know, several hundred dollars on it. The only one I did actually end up getting was, uh, I got a special edition, um, I got the Hyrule edition uh, new Nintendo 3DS XL, which is pretty nice. Um, Cause I got that one as an upgrade to my base 3DS. Cause I was like, well, the, you know, the upgrade is good enough that I think with the trade in, it's it was kind of worth doing. So I was like, mm-hmm. I could I could justify that. But most of the time, it's like, like the Wind Waker Wii U came out, right? And I was like, oh look, it's a Wii U exactly like the one I have, but it's cool in Wind Waker edition. But do I want to spend you know another three hundred? what was it 350 bucks something like that something on like that. on the same console i already have and i yeah. i was just like no I, I don't think i do like it it would be awesome but you know I'm, I'm just not gonna spend that much unless it's like a legit upgrade
2: yeah no
1: i'm, I'm very much the same as the reason why i've never got one before um but i kind of want to for the switch yeah um and uh, honestly, if they do, like, if the Switch Pro ends up being a thing that's happening soon and they are releasing special editions for it, then I'll probably just upgrade to that at some point.
0: Yeah, I, I, I would kind of be the same. Like, as is, I'm like a Switch Pro right now. I probably wouldn't bother upgrading. But if they say, hey, look, it's got a cool, snappy Zelda design, then, you know, I'm going to yeah. fork over 400 bucks right the fuck then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I'm not doing too bad actually. I got first place in that first race, and I've mostly held a solid lead this this race. So yeah. maybe I will have to jump it up. I'm remembering my sea legs uh, better than I expected. So
1: the muscle memory's kicking in.
0: Yeah, something like that. The old uh, old skills. Yeah, <laughs> I got mad skills. All right, first place, two in a row. That means I have to take a celebratory drink. <laughs> I like showing off my glassware sometimes. This one's kind of plain, but it's just a, you know, nice Colorado Rockies uh, (coughs) collector glass I got at the stadium when I was at ye old baseball game.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: So that's been pretty sweet. Next piece of news and booze, Yuji Naka uh, has updated his Facebook and LinkedIn accounts, and they show he is no longer working for Square Enix. Uh, So this is kind of an interesting development, and like... When I read this, I was like, immediately my mind went to, okay, hold on, he has been fired because Wonder Wonderworld was that crappy, right? And I, I have no idea if that's the truth. It's probably not. It might be related. I have no idea, but, like, it feels like cause and effect, doesn't it? It's like, Wonder Wonderworld is epic turd of the century, and now Yuji Naka doesn't work at Square anymore. Like... I feel like I have to put two and two together on this, even though it's probably not how it's going, but I'm going to start spreading rumors of that's how it's going anyway. Uh, what do you think about that? you Yuji Naka uh, fan? Um,
1: I mean, the original Sonic games were really good.
0: Right, yeah. But that's one of the things that it's like, I never got um, into anything other than Sonic, but like, I mean, Sonic was great like yeah
2: especially yeah, when he was funny.
0: like primarily developing it okay this is the hard rainbow road this this is where i'm gonna suck it up <laughs> uh but yeah, yeah it's like yeah. it's hard to like judge such a you know storied game developer but when when something comes out with as like that pisses off fans as much as uh balan Wonderworld did it's like it's hard not to kind of you know get a little judgy and maybe that's just you know us being stupid entitled gamers or whatever but you know it is oh, worth no, i think
1: it's 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 worth calling out the, the games industry could do a lot more to call out games that aren't good yeah um i think i think mediocrity is a problem
2: mm-hmm.
1: um personally i think like game journalism could do a lot more to kind of like challenge mediocrity especially in like design terms but i think also there's a lot of um industry illiteracy in gamers uh where they don't really understand how games are made yeah Um, and there's a lot of it's very very easy when you've got a big name attached to a project kind of like just go obviously they were the person who was responsible for how this all went bad it's like
0: yeah i mean on a project as large scale as you you know Balan Wonderworld, theoretically, Yuji is not the only guy working on it, right? So No, and, you know, and
1: I, th- I guess, like, to an extent, it's a thing of, yeah, if he's got, like, top billing, he is culpable.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is the director of billing. the game, so, yeah. you know, so to an culpable. extent, he is, he is the guy that you have to go to to be like, okay, this released like this, and you were in charge, so you let mm-hmm. it release like this.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. completely agree with that, but I think that there's a level of, maybe he's just not a very good director
0: yeah maybe because i mean I, obviously I the programming me. is what he uh, primarily did in in the yeah. sonic days so obviously yep. he proved his skill at that so you know should we really judge him necessarily for you you know one kind of blunder and and a lot of people think i think he directed the knights into dreams game too and, oh, and did those have like uh uh he was he was heavily associated with them somehow I, I don't yeah. remember exactly all the details. If Chris was here, if my co-host, he's a big Knights into Dreams fan. He could tell us all about it.
1: Uh, but, cool. Um, yeah, I never I never played any, of it, but I don't think they released in Europe, or they mm-hmm. weren't easily available in Europe. Um, yeah. And the original Knights was Sega Saturn.
0: Yeah. Um, the
1: console I never had. Sorry.
0: Yeah, I the only time I played it was uh, uh, with Chris. I think on Dreamcast. Uh, cause nice. it was, you know, back in college, it was one of his favorite games to go to. And like, I was over one time and he was like, yeah, check it out. It's awesome. And I was like, this is a game. <laughs> <laughs> I was not into it, but it's got a big cult following and a lot of people really love it. And it sounds like the people who really, you know, were into that, were expecting something akin to that. And yeah. they, they didn't deliver like at all. Okay, so no, I got no, really, second yeah. in that race, so I have to try again until I get first. I have to take a, a punishment drink now. Okay.
2: Um, well, that's how. Until it I works. get
0: first, yeah. And mm-hmm. if I get first in this one, then then I can go to two hundred CC, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna totally just just suck <laughs> it up. It's gonna be epic fails all around.
1: Um, yeah, like I I think just we don't. I think sometimes we fail to celebrate the skills that certain developers have, Mm -hmm. we get a bit caught up on just kind of like we we miss what they were actually doing on certain projects sometimes. Yeah. Like like Hideo Kojima is very good at a lot of things. Yeah. And script writing is like a double-edged sword with that man.
0: (laughs) Right, yeah. It's like I don't know, it's, for me it's kind of like one of those uh, um uh, what's that guy's... Uh, I'm trying to think of the, the Kill Bill guy.
2: Oh, um...
0: You know the guy. Uh, Tarantino. Hateful Act- yeah, Tarantino. Where it's like... It's not necessarily something for you to understand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the most high-quality, highly polished what-the-fuck in the world. <laughs> I love Tarantino movies, but I could not tell you why like if you told me to describe like the 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 recent one was uh with matt damon in hollywood uh was uh like i love that movie but like i could not tell you why it it like the the plot is like hard to follow the characters are strange and like it's just i don't know why i like it it's just (laughs) <laughs> Finally tuned what the fuck it, it's literally the best description i could come up with and and kojima is the same because i really don't understand entirely the plot of death stranding but that was my game of the year for for 2019 uh no, like absolutely. by a long wow. shot uh because first of all it was just one of the most interesting games to play that i've ever beheld and other than that like it was it's just that kind of kojima that it's like it's finely tuned, even though I don't know 100% what it's supposed to be. (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) legit. Yeah, I haven't had the chance to play Death Stranding. I can't remember what came out in 2019. Dates confuse me.
0: Right, yeah. I had to think (laughs) a second to think of what year it was. I was like, pretty sure that was 2019. Might have been 2018, (laughs) but I'm, I'm... fairly certain it was 2019 but you know what 2020 went by so oddly that i really could not tell you it might have been it might have been a long time ago i don't know
1: time has lost all meaning yeah at this
0: point right all right uh next piece of news and booze is a little bit of an awkward one um so injustice 2 the mobile (sighs) version is celebrating pride month in in probably the most awkward way they ever could they have introduced i don't don't entirely understand how it works but basically they've got some kind of in-game event where players worldwide are trying to see how many times they can defeat poison ivy who is is probably you know next to harley quinn like the most you know predominantly known lgbt like character in the marvel universe dc
1: universe
0: dc universe yeah right Hey, I got first! Holy shit, how did I do that? I thought I was, like, way behind. Wow. Okay.
2: Nicely uh, done. Apparently,
0: I, I pulled ahead at the end there. Alright, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Alright, that means I have to go to 200cc, so, are we ready to drink? I mean, I am. I'll, I'll drink for you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs>
2: I'm a pal like that,
0: so if you're drinking along at home, it's your turn to drink. Got my drink sign. Alright. Um, yeah, uh... All right. So let's get back into this. Um, Yeah. So the problem here, like, I feel like this was a well-meaning thing that somebody did not think through and none of their superiors questioned it because they were just like, I don't know, like fucking rich and didn't give a shit because they're the people that, you know, are up at uh, the, you know, top execs at Warner Brothers that are just like, What? Yeah. Yeah. You can do stuff with the video game as long as it generates a fuckload of money. We don't care, you know, Uh, because celebrating Pride Month by making a boss fight where you beat the shit out of an LGBT person repeatedly, like literally... It's it's counting the worldwide times she's defeated, and they're like every like two hundred thousand times or something. You get like a new tier that unlocks in-game rewards. It's like
1: oh jeez, it's so much worse than I thought it was. Yeah. I thought they just like, didn't tweet about it. I didn't realize that it was actually a game. Yeah, event. it's
0: it's literally a thing in the game where like you can unlock more rewards if the collective playing community beats the crap out of Poison Ivy more. It's like. Like I, I want to be like, okay, they were trying something unique, but I really, I, it's just hard to do that when they're just, it's, it's encouraging you to beat the crap out of, out of a, a person, of the community. Yeah. That's, that's like, yeah.
1: like to I don't even hundred percent
0: know what to say about that.
1: I mean, for one, oh wow, just. Just nobody thought that through for even a second because, wow, just, just yikes. Um, But the, to be fair to them, they have released a a comment, which is one of the better corporate apologies I've ever seen,
2: I think, okay, um,
1: where they did acknowledge um, the level of violence and abuse that is often um, directed at people of the LGBTQ plus community and that they were incredibly insensitive to do it Mm -hmm. and that it was a bad thing so to be fair to them they have acknowledged the the failing and they have even taken it upon themselves to give some information out like that people could do with hearing so I will give them credit for that I will not give them credit for how ridiculously tone deaf and stupid the initial thing was because That should not have happened. Right? That's not okay um, at all. And yeah, I don't, I don't know the background of it. The impression I got, and I'm more than happy. Well, I,
2: I think that this is the kind of reading. And if it isn't the, the truth, then I'm,
1: I apologise if anybody takes this. Like as verbatim, because I don't actually know, but I, this is just the impression I got was that it's more that it's a rolling event where they have a different character, be the 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 boss character that everybody's beating to rack up scores. Um, like and like it rolls over, you know, it's a, the kind of thing that fighting games would do. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that's the case, and it just so happened that somebody thought it would be really clever to have famous lesbian poison ivy. Yeah. be the one for Pride Month and didn't think it through.
0: Yeah, I guess. It it seems like, though, you could have just as easily thought of, like, reversing this idea if this is, like, a normal thing. Because I I don't play the game, but I I will say I play Pokemon Go and they do similar events like, uh, uh, hey, if trainers beat, like, the legendary Pokemon in raid battles... Uh, you know, mm. X number of times, then you'll unlock bonuses. So I've, you know, I, I kind of understand the idea behind this sort of event. And depending on the context, I feel like it could be done, you know, just as well. But y- the way that they handled it just seems really, like you said, like, I think tone deaf is a perfectly good word for it. Um, yeah, Um It's like you could have just as easily reversed that role and just like, hey, if players worldwide get this many victories playing as Poison Ivy, you know? Yeah, that would that would be that, really cool. Yeah, then, like, that would have been awesome, you know? Like, you know, power to the community and all that. Yeah. You know,
2: and, instead and of, like let's beat
0: up hard. the queer. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> what the fuck, Warner Brothers? Yeah,
1: it's really not okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's such a shame that they missed the chance to do something like, do it the other way around, and make mm-hmm. something that could have actually been pretty cool. Um, and instead made that garbage.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> yep. So, that's that, and our last piece of this booze that we get off of this awkward gravy train is uh, actually a pretty nice one. Very nice, in fact, because no more heroes 1 and 2 are coming to steam, on June 9th, which if you write that in American, this will be confusing for you because you're across the pond. Hold, hold on. I need to pause this while I'm explaining this. So if you write the date, you would write it 9 slash 6. But we in America are backwards because we're weirdos. So it's 6-9. Oh, yeah. So nine. also the No More Heroes games are awesome and everybody should check them out. And, and I'm way yeah, behind that, now that. because I had to stop the game to, to explain 69. All right. I'm, I'm proud of myself
1: oh no that's pretty cool though
0: uh yeah um. so um they just obviously came to switch not too long ago back in september or something so uh it kind of makes sense to have you know uh ports of them heading to other places uh the yeah. original was ported to playstation three at some point so i think mm-hmm. it's possible we'd see these on uh you know, hopefully PS5 and Xbox at some point. I think that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously no conversion or... Uh, what was I trying to say? Confirmation. conversion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no confirmation yet on that front, but I think it's a possibility, and I would definitely like to see that. No More Heroes is just one of my favorite series. It's just such a wacky-ass uh, game series. Uh, so come into PC if you're interested in that. Uh, I I didn't look up the price. It'll probably be the same as the Switch ports are like 20 bucks each or something, but they've gone on sale regularly for like 10 a piece. So um, not too expensive to get into the series uh, with No More Heroes 3 coming up later this year. Uh, Are you a No More Heroes (laughs) fan?
1: I played the first one. I really enjoyed it, but I never actually finished it. Right. for a variety of reasons, not because not of the game, just because it's one of the ones that I just never got around to finishing. Yeah. Um, and I never got the chance to pick up number two, but I really wanted to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I'm quite excited for three. Yeah. Um, I do intend to get that.
0: Yeah, No More Heroes 2, gameplay-wise, is very similar, but it sort of streamlined a lot of things, made lots of quality-of-life kind of improvements to nice. just make the game a little more user-friendly. Uh, so. Yeah it's kind of regarded as the better one i think they did things differently so it's harder for me to say that it's like the better one but mm-hmm. like it, it i will admit that it does a lot of things better so it's like aha 11th place i i got i got better than last time i got
1: yeah improved
0: yeah so eventually maybe i won't totally screw up <laughs> who knows let's see if i can get all the way up to first place in in two hundred cc. This is not looking good so far, but uh, I'll keep drinking.
1: Do you think the snares Rainbow Road's oh, the hardest one on two hundred cc? Yeah,
0: snares? all these sharp ass turns and no fences. Yeah, um, like the other one.
2: Like, it works sweet-
0: really great on on one hundred fifty. Because you can drift around all these corners perfectly on 150. And that's one of the things where, like I was saying, you know, you really have to relearn the entire game to be good at, at 200cc. Uh, but with that, that is our last piece of news and booze. So we'll get into our uh, table topic here. Uh, table topic for today is all our. we're going to be doing. We're not going to have a gaming topic so that we're not running too long for our poor old tired friend over in the... Uh, <laughs> uk um so our table topic this week is uh actually just randomly you tweeted out one day and i saw this tweet and that's how we got connected because i like uh i hadn't heard of you before and then i saw this tweet and it was like hey does anybody have a podcast where we can talk about uh tabletop rpg design and stuff and i was like well that would be awesome that's like not exactly (laughs) what we talk about but you know that's totally in our wheelhouse because we talk about some aspect of Tabletop gaming every week here, so I th- I figured that would be a fun topic to uh, bring up because uh, myself and the co-host Chris uh, do a fair amount of uh, homebrew content, as well as both of us have you know designed various systems. And uh, oh, nice. if we can uh, plug your content for a second, you guys uh, over at Cobblepath have a uh, Zelda tabletop, which is pretty cool.
1: Technically, from what I understand. technically not quite. Right. Um, so, um, the Zelda tabletop is just a thing I'm doing on my own terms okay. in my own time. Uh, CobblePath has other games.
0: Okay, um, so that's for so you my... as opposed to CobblePath, but...
1: Just, Nintendo, please don't bankrupt my company, it's a, it's a fan project. Right,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think you're within your rights there, as long as you don't make money off it or something. Yeah. Once it's... you start making money, then they'll be like, hold on, hold on, mister, we need a cut of that shit.
1: <laughs> yeah we um i wouldn't make money off of it anyway because obviously it's uh it's it's not my intellectual property so right yeah um, yeah so i'm i'm making a Zelda tabletop top in my spare time and uh coldpath has made uh main thing at the moment is our horror game locus
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and uh we've also got like some other ones in the works later this year we'll be kickstarting our second major sort of release awesome is Coffee and Chaos, which is about it's a comedy game about running a cafe. Um, it's kind of designed to use pre existing characters and groups,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which should hopefully be pretty good, but yeah, um, mostly here for the Zelda one today, I think, because obviously,
0: yeah, I mean, on a podcast called A Drink to the Past, you know, we, we have some love for Zelda in our hearts. <laughs> uh, just, just a little bit. Uh, Zelda's my personal favorite series, so um, I've I've never designed a full-on Zelda tabletop, but I've designed Zelda homebrew content uh, for nice. like uh, Dungeons & Dragons, um, mostly. Yeah. Uh, back in the day we used to do 3.5 was our primary version. Now we've, now my group kind of switches around a bunch. We do st- like one group does Pathfinder that I'm with. And one group is like, okay, we're doing 3.5. Now we're doing fifth edition. Now we're doing some weird indie thing that Chris bought, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all sorts of weird stuff, uh, unknown armies nope. and uh, hero system. Occasionally we haven't done hero system in a long time, I guess, but, uh, you know, we, we, we get around there. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting ride, but I used to design like tons of homebrew content for, uh, 3.5. And I think that's a good starting point for anybody who's into, uh, the idea of creating, uh, their own like tabletop mechanically, uh, a good place to start is creating, you know, custom content for a tabletop that already exists. Uh, what do you think about that? Have you ever done a lot of, uh, like homebrew stuff before you started, or did you just jump right yeah. into the deep end? Or
1: um, so the first stuff I made was um, we I started on, on World of Darkness, okay, WAD systems, mm-hmm. um, and I started on New WAD really. And New World has a core system that's um, basically just like the, the standard rules for humans, because mm-hmm. most of the games are kind of like based around different kind of like horror monsters like werewolves and vampires and such. So you've got the core rules that are kind of for humans, and then all the other games kind of expand on that. Um, and I basically just homebrewed a load of stuff for that. Um, and then I had like friends who ran their own games, and I kind of got involved with helping them make systems and rules to make them work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually where I got my start, was homebrewing stuff um, as well. So yeah, I absolutely completely agree. Like it's a great it's a great place to start if you're interested in doing it. Even if all you're doing is like making custom like a couple of custom spells or some cool items or something. Um, yeah.
0: That's kind of where I started a little bit with the Zelda stuff. I started uh like creating race templates for like Gorons and stuff out of Zelda. So I had like Gorons and Zora because I wanted to do like a, a Zelda campaign. And then I eventually ended up doing like a bunch of different stuff because I I got a bunch of different thoughts in my heads and 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 you know people would talk to me about like oh I'd like to do a Avatar the Last Airbender uh, campaign I'd like to do a Lord of the Rings campaign you know different stuff like this where they they have these ideas and and these these are ideas I have too obviously I don't, I, I made all this Zelda stuff so <laughs> I, I I've gone on all these thought project tangents and like sometimes i just like conceptualize them like what would it be like and sometimes i go out of my way if i if i really have a wild hair i'll just like even today i'll still write up every now and then uh i guess it's been a few years since i did the last big project i did for this was uh somebody was talking to me about doing a dragon ball z campaign and i wrote Uh up these this whole series of rules for Uh, creating your own Dragon Ball attacks because every, like, uh, Dragon Ball hero has, like, their own signature move. And so Mm -hmm. I had a set of rules that I made up for uh, using your own signature move and uh, a bunch of different classes that I wrote up um, that were, you know, more or less based on characters from the show or or archetypes from just anime in general. Uh, And it ended up being fairly well-received by my group. Uh, So I was kind of proud of that, even though it was just this wacky, strange thing that I did. Um, I'm trying to remember who tweeted this. uh, But they said, uh, homebrew design is tabletop RPG design. And I I couldn't agree more with that. So uh, I think if you're looking for a starting point, then definitely just start homebrewing something, you know?
1: Um, Yeah, find a system you like and make some (coughs) content for it. Um, There's... Like there's a lot of syst- there are some systems that are better for it than others, and there are mm. some systems that are outright designed for it. Um as well. Like I know that um there's a bunch of people who I sort of like have connected to on Twitter who have made systems that they describe as hackable. Yeah. Um and like they, they built the system to be hackable. And mm. that basically means that it's really easy to homebrew stuff. Yeah. Um we semi did it with locus.
2: Mm-hmm. We didn't
1: So Locus isn't I wouldn't describe Locus as hackable because it's not really designed for you to change the rules or augment the rules in a really significant way. You totally can, but like it's not designed with that right. intent. but it's a personal horror game. So everything in it is kind of built around like player content. So, whenever you make it, you make your own location that it's set in, and then mm-hmm. the players make their characters, and then the DM or the director we call them the director in it um, they make monsters based on the player characters.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We've got like a guide on how to do that and stuff, so it's mm-hmm. not really hackable, but it's very you make your own stuff out of it innately. So,
0: um, I kind of like that idea. Um one of the tabletops I've designed is actually the, mo- the one that I've put the most work and time into is uh, I call it Super Simple Super System because uh, it's basically made to alleviate the issue of like most superhero style tabletop games that I've ever played are either not customizable enough or mm-hmm. it takes way too long to make the custom character you want to make. So I wanted to have something in the middle ground where you could make characters and, you know, like 30 minutes or less even at like high levels right and still have like hopefully limitless customization which as far as i can tell it's like it's it's still in play testing so i'm hoping to like have like errors pointed out through play testing um cuz cool. you know that's uh and it 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 kind of uses the similar idea on that where basically you're not so much going through and being like getting what you get like in you know D&D you know you're a fighter you get these skills you get these abilities or whatever when you're a mage you get to pick from these spells it's all very specific um in this it's like you kind of come up with the concept of uh what you want to do and then the rules basically give you a way to explain it mechanically So you're essentially creating your own powers, no matter what you want the power to be. And so that kind of customization is something that I think is very enviable, uh, whether it's from a mechanical standpoint or from what it sounds like in your other Locus game, that sounds like it's a a storytelling kind of customization in there. Bit of mask, Yeah. Uh, which sounds really interesting especially in a, a hardcore character driven horror game I think that sounds really fun
1: we're, we're we're pleased with it we think it's good and people don't seem to hate it which is nice
2: yeah that um, helps
1: <laughs> it's quite interesting you talk about it. have you um have you are you familiar with mutants and masterminds
0: um, loosely Chris and I have played it um, uh, he he ran a couple of campaigns in that system, so I've played uh-huh. it uh but I'm not like deeply familiar with it. I've played you know probably less than five sessions uh, yeah. but you know uh um, for what it was I, I i do think it was a good system
1: yeah it's it's one of my favorites but mm-hmm. it's very much because it meets my personal niche of what I like yeah um i I so my sort of design white whale for years when I first started out kind of like trying to make RPG systems because I really wanted to make a system where you could make and play any character you could imagine Mm -hmm. but mechanically distinct because I found that basically everything that I played at that point where you could play anything basically ended up boiling every character's mechanics down to a sort of like nothing mush Mm -hmm. where like, Every character just kind of felt the same because there wasn't enough kind of like crunch to the game to give them those unique weights. Mm -hmm. And that's cool It's just not my thing. So for years I wanted to make a system that was like, that allowed you to mechanically make a character and it to be mechanically different and distinct from all other characters. And then I played Mutants and Masterminds and was like, yeah, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do as good as this like this right. this is what I wanted this is what I wanted to make I'm never going to be this so it freed me it freed me from that ambition which was lovely because it means I can go and do other things <laughs> um, right but um but yeah like the of muscle very much falls in that space that you were talking about where the characters take forever to make
0: yeah that was our kind of one issue with it with especially since our group has uh, like campaign add Like, cause we have a lot of DMs that have a lot of ideas. So we float between campaigns. Like sometimes literally every week we'll be starting a new campaign or playing a campaign that, you know, at least one of the players has never played in before. So we'll need Mm -hmm. to inevitably make somebody a character every week. And, and we've actually lost players from our group because of that, because we just like, can't get our shit together and like, you know, agree on one campaign or, or even a couple of campaigns to just play for a little while, you know? Uh, so, uh, for that reason is actually one of the reasons why I, I looked into, you know, designing my own system. But Mm. at the same time, I am afraid that if my system has a drawback, it is that, you know, certain things will be samey because the, Rules that I've created, they work to create literally any power that you can think of. But mechanically, a lot of powers are going to be similar in the system. So yeah. i have that's something that I've kind of been trying to think of ways to alleviate, to, you know, make it a little bit different. And so I, I think I've got a good balance where it's cool. not every power is exactly the same, you know, or, you know, every <laughs> damage power is exactly the same, for example. You know, you can have damage powers that come from different places, so they'll use different abilities uh, mm-hmm. mechanically in your characters, stuff like that. So I've tried to break it up a little bit, but I am afraid that it would slip into that, you know, opposite direction where it's like things just feel too samey, even though technically they're different. It's, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm not 100% sure if that's more like a legitimate worry or just me being overcritically of myself. But, you know, that's, I think that's something that kind of comes with uh, creating good tabletops. Because a lot of good tabletop designers uh, that I've talked to are are very harsh on themselves, too. So it's like,
2: but then I think,
0: oh, am I being too harsh on myself? Oh, no, it's not. It's okay. That's a good thing. And then I'm like, oh, am I just, you know, taking this for granted? And am I not taking this seriously enough? And then I just have all sorts of metal battles with myself. So... I think if you're having a mental battle with yourself, you're doing something right.
1: Yeah. Like, if you're questioning yeah. things, then it means you care yeah. about the things. Um, and that's important. Yeah. So, yeah, like, that sounds pretty cool. Um, I've got, yeah, like, uh, oh, I mean, so a of Hyrule was very much kind of in that then as well. Um, like, a lot of it was I wanted to make a, zelda system Mm
2: -hmm.
1: just because it's sort of been in the back of my mind for a few years and i just sort of had a weekend where i just kind of like thought through some ideas for it i was like actually that's kind of cool why don't i just do it yeah and i just started like no like writing up on notes and stuff and yeah like the the big ambitions where i wanted the different tribes to feel really different Mm -hmm. um Because I don't think if you're playing a Zora, you should feel like you're playing the same character you're playing a Goron. Yeah. Because they're presented very differently in the games. Um, And I also wanted to kind of like have a sort of skill system where uh, I'm a big fan of uh, player-based kind of like progression, Mm -hmm. where you get to pick what you progress in. I'm not a huge fan of like prescriptive level systems and classes.
0: Right. Um,
1: it's it's a taste thing i just I, I prefer having um i prefer it when players get to kind of like craft their character yeah. rather than the game kind of telling them what they get because they pick made one choice at character gen yeah um so I sort of build the whole system around that with the whole thing of like well in the zelda games you do a lot of different stuff and they're primarily combat focused so it is basically a combat tunnel game because that seems like that seems appropriate for the the game that it's trying to emulate. Like. Um, so it's like it's very much a sort of like D and D esque combat tunnel type game, but it's got a lot a lot more sort of like build variation to it. Yeah, Which probably also means it's really unbalanced. Like
2: that's it's a tough North thing.
1: Way, like, <laughs> progress, and I am not balancing it. Like I'm right, not yeah. doing. It. Amounts of testing to balance it per, uh, properly. Um, my my sort of general excuse is uh, as long as carry, as long as nothing feels so broken, you feel like you have to take it. And as long as and and if everybody's on the same side, it's not the biggest issue. Um, I don't want anything to be glaringly broken, but I'm not that fussed about things perfectly balanced. I don't think it's right. Easy. Yeah.
0: It kind of depends on, on, you know, your system and, and who's going to play it. And, you know, cause if you're, I think that's a really, it depends on who your target audience is, right? Cause if your target audience is, you know, casual Zelda fans like me, that's just like, I'm going to be a Goron with a big fucking hammer, you know, then it sounds like that would be just fine. But, you know, yeah. if you're looking to, you know, prescribe this more to power gamers and all that kind of thing, then. Then mm. the the power balance is really a very tricky issue. Um, yeah,
1: I think uh, I think there's a lot of people get caught up on it. Yeah, um, I think part of it is because specifically, it's it's D and D is it's very common in D and D discourse in particular, like Pathfinder mm-hmm. games. And I think it's a lot of it's down to the presentation of the games mm-hmm. with the sort of based combat and the the sort of pseudo strategy. Like they're very similar to strategy games in a lot of the presentation.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and things like that. And I think that's part of the reason why people get quite caught up in it. You've also got mm-hmm. the idea that... um I, I think there's a pervasive concept in um, a lot of the d d culture of the idea of the DM being an adversary to the players. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a huge amount of DMs genuinely believe that they're supposed to be acting. Trying to kill the players, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you see a lot of jokes about it. You see a lot of it's—it's it's a pervasive concept, and I mm. think it could—it can, can be difficult to get around that in a combat tunnel game, especially because, at to if you peel it all the way back, the job of a DM in a combat tunnel game is to stick enemies in the way of the characters. Yeah, like obviously they do a lot more than that. Right. Um, and then we'll do way more than that. But from a sort of like hard mechanical basis in a combat tunnel based game, pretty much your primary job is to pick enemies and shove them in front of players,
2: right.
1: like make obstacles for them. And I think that does, that can sort of like create this kind of like adversarial um, relationship sometimes, which... Yeah you then get into this thing of, well, if you're in an adversarial relationship, things are a competition suddenly. And if it's a competition you want to make sure that you're being treated fairly and you're getting a fair shake. And so therefore balance is really important all of a sudden and yeah, like and especially when you've got such a finely tuned maths behind the game as like in stuff like D D it's it can be quite glaringly obvious. Or at least it can feel like it's obvious because balance is always this really weirdly elusive.
0: Yeah. Why? And balance uh, is a thing that it's actually quite difficult to like figure out mechanically without like literally playing games because yeah. like things that you won't think of will just be like big issues sometimes. I designed a, a Pokemon tabletop one time. And uh, I was trying to design it so that you could literally just, like, look up Pokemon on the web uh, on, you know, Bulbapedia or, or your, you know, smartphone Pokedex app or even in your game, right? And and look in, like, oh, this Pokemon has 100 in this stat and 90 in this stat and all that. And I tried to balance it off of that. And mechanically, it seemed like mathematically that made sense, except for in Pokemon, there are some pokemon that have just egregious stat differences yeah. and so i uh i made a uh gym leader that the my first play group had it was like the second session or first session or something and they, they're coming up against this gym leader and he's got a steelix and steelix in the games has a defense stat of like 250 or something uh yeah. and based on the way that i had written my uh system literally none of the other Pokemon's attacks could damage it. <laughs> and I was like, that's a problem. <laughs> and as a DM, I like, I looked at this in the first couple attacks. I'm just like, oh, that does no damage. Cause I'm just, you know, calculating it, not really thinking. I'm just like, oh yeah, my system makes sense. I checked out the math. It's all fair and balanced. Right. Except for then, you know, this kind of came up and it's like, as the dm i didn't tell them at the time i think i told him later but i was like i just kind of fudged it and changed his defense stat to make it so that he could be damaged because <laughs> otherwise he was just gonna face roll all of them uh because it was yeah, it, it was a weird situation because you know things like that come up where it's like you wouldn't have uh thought about it but you know, you you get this kind of weird broken shit in your in your yeah, games sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. No matter how much you check the math, sometimes yeah. something weird will happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's even harder in um, TTRPGs as well because you'll find stuff that's really broken because of the social aspect of the game, mm-hmm. like the storytelling aspect or the social aspect of the game will make something that mathematically checks out really egregious because of, like, some sort of, like, loophole that it opens up or a way it synergizes with, like, a social skill or something, or like, that happens a lot, and it's really, you can't really account for that for, like, the way people are gonna play um, Mm -hmm. breaking things without (laughs) testing it. And even then, like, no amount of testing is gonna catch every one of those... Yeah,
0: because it's, you know, that's why we have things like, you know erratas and and version 3.5 things like that yeah things come up even in professionally tested scenarios like dungeons and dragons you know
1: that's why you have as well
0: yeah
1: you find stuff that doesn't quite work for your group because of the way you play or the kind of story you're planning on telling or just a particular character doesn't work with other characters in the group or is too overpowered when combined with one of the others or something
0: you, yeah, it's it's one of those normal. things especially with you have a largely customizable system with a lot of uh, abilities that you can combine which I I have always thought is one of the hilarious things about like playing magic uh with mm. as many different cards as they print, you know, some combination somewhere along the line will will just be absolute bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and and so for that reason they have card bans and tabletop's are no no different. Uh Not yet. Yeah, so real quick, I'm going to introduce the beer of the week, which I actually forgot to update on the stream. So it says the wrong beer, but it is also from the same brewery. So this is uh, last week I had a Tommyknocker Drift Blonde. This is Tommyknocker Brewery's chocolate porter. Uh, so these are some local guys up the hill from me up in the mountain town. Um,
2: nice.
0: Tommy Knocker Brewery makes uh, a lot of good beers. Um, I had one of these chocolate porters earlier this week and then I immediately forgot what it was about. <laughs> Other than chocolate and porter. Um, I mean, actually, that tastes like a chocolate porter. It's like a fucking melted chocolate bar. That's pretty good. Um, wow. Why is it That's spilling? Like... Ah. <laughs> it's like coming out of the side of the can when I pour. How, how did that happen? Also, I like to show off my glassware, like I said, and this is a really strange glass uh, with a story. I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a glass or a flower pot, but uh, as my day job, I drive a school bus and uh, one of the parents of my students gave me this and it was full of candy and a Starbucks gift card. And I was like, it came with a Starbucks gift card? Is it a coffee cup? I'm not sure. It's got a Starbucks gift card. Like I've a lot of times when people give you a Starbucks gift card, just, I feel like the, the, the thing is that you get a coffee mug with it or a a to go cup or or something like that. So I was like, but it looks like it's just a flower pot. (laughs) And she was a nice Hispanic woman. And I'm like, is this a cultural thing that I don't understand? Cause I'm just some stupid white guy. And then I felt bad. But whatever it is, I am going to drink beer out of it. Own it. Yep.
1: It's pretty good. I've got a fun uh, mug with a silly story to it. Awesome. So I have, I have this I Heart Puerto Rico mug. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I've never been to Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I have that is I had a friend back in uni. He went to his uh, significant other, now wife, um, lived in America. And he went away for, like, I think it was a couple of months. It was a significant portion of time over summer. He went to go visit her. And mm. when he came back, he bought us all presents. And he bought me that mug. nice. And he told me the story of how he got that mug, which was, in the last couple of days of him being in America, he was sort of panic buying presents for all of us because he realized he'd not... And he was running around New York trying to find something for all of us. And he thought, oh, Jack will be easy. I'll just get him a mug because obviously, you know, tea. Right. Uh, So he went into one of those kitschy I Heart New York stores Mm. to get a mug. And was just like, they're all just so bland and crap. They're all just I Heart New York on a white mug. And then he saw it in the middle of one of the, the, the shelves was just this single I Heart Puerto Rico mug. And he was like, that's the one. That's the one I'm getting.
0: That is amazing. I I feel like I should go make some tea right now, but then I won't get anybody at Mario Kart.
1: Yeah, I'm pleased with that story. I think it's brilliant.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I I have a lot of weird mugs with weird stories that we get into, so it's uh, very well appreciated when somebody else has, has an interesting story to go with their glassware. You're oh. not doing too
1: bad.
2: Oh, so, yeah.
0: no, um, I on, got second in <sighs> here, and then I went into th- uh, the other Rainbow Road for a little bit. Um, it's tricky because I can't just like pump the crap out of this super mushroom. Oh yes, Bullet Bill, Bullet Bill will do the turns for me. Ah, <sighs> it is the last lap. It didn't matter. <laughs> I
1: find that Bullet Bills are really good until they they like, dissipate just as you're approaching a corner.
0: Right, and then um, you're just like, going too fast, can't! I needed to drift, like, 30 feet back! <laughs> <laughs> you know. I get yeah. that, yeah. Um... Anyway, uh, so back to tabletop RPG design, uh, is there anything specific that you would suggest to avoid for anybody looking into designing their own tabletop, or even just homebrew content?
1: Um there's nothing that i'd really say avoid um my main thing would be like my main piece of advice is i think set your goals
2: Mm.
1: like figure out what you want to make i think too too many people kind of like they start out and they don't really identify what it is they actually want to make Mm. and the reason why that's important is not so that you can like lock yourself in because you don't want to lock yourself in you want to be able to explore stuff but it's so that you can check what you've got and, like, get rid of stuff easily. So, like, as an example, Locus, we, we spent, like, five years making Locus. Um, me and Steph, who's the other half of Park Games, um, we made it while we were both working full-time. and We just kind of like, made it on the side. It took us, like, five years. But about three years in... There was a point where we did a play test, and a load of like the the new additions to rules and some of the tweaks we made just weren't really working out. And there was like a, a card mechanic that we were playing with that we just it, every variation of it just hadn't worked right. Mm-hmm. And so we just sort of went right. Okay, we, we've tried workshopping this thing about four times now, and it's not going right. Let's go back to the drawing board. And we peeled right back and said, What are our goals with this system? What do we want it to do? And we sort of like picked out the main things that we wanted it to do. Like the fact that we wanted it to be scary, we wanted it to um, have like custom monsters, we wanted it to evoke sort of personal horror. And not like it, it doesn't play with Eldritch horror, which is like the common tabletop RPG one, it was much more personal and psychological. Right. So we kind of like had our setup and we were like, yeah, this thing that we've been workshopping, it doesn't do any of that. It's not adding any of anything for those goals to the game. Mm-hmm. And because we had those goals set out, we could kind of just go, okay, yeah, fine. As much as we like the idea of this, it doesn't need to be here. It's not doing what we need it to do, it's not helping the game. And. It helps you make your, the really hard decisions um, if you know what you're trying to make,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and and that can be all sorts of different things because the the goals are not set stone. It doesn't have to be a specific type of game. It can be an emotion you're looking for the game to evoke. It can be it can be a mechanic that you want it to revolve around. Like you really like this mechanic, I want to make a tabletop based on this mechanic. So, then that mechanic is the bit that's set in stone, and stuff like your setting and like your pacing and what kind of characters you make and that sort of stuff. That's all mutable um, because your goal is to use that mechanic. Yeah. Um, but it, or it might be, I want to make a game in this setting, a la Heroes mm. Hype, or the very stuff that you've done, where it's like, I want to make a game that allows me to play in this setting. I want to make a Pokemon game. I want to yeah. make a. Um, Zelda game and you can go deeper into it and sort of identify what it is about those games you want to capture but at the very least if you have that kind of goal you can go okay stuff's not working let's have a look at what I've made and what I've done and let's ask the question is this contributing to that goal and it helps you sort of streamline what you're making it helps you throw away stuff that's otherwise really difficult to throw out (laughs) but you always have to be able to throw stuff out as a game designer. Yeah. Because you always have more ideas than fit. Um, and it is just a thing you have to get used to.
0: Wow, that was... That was awkward with the swamp there. <laughs> just like, all I can see is bright, s- <laughs> searing light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah, that, That's that's my number one piece of game advice. Game making advice is just... Just identify your goals, and uh, and you're free to change them. Like that's the thing is that if you decide that you actually you started making one thing with goal Y, but actually in the process you've realised all you really want to make is something with goal Z. Change it, cool, sweet. There's nothing saying you can't, but just know what they are at any point in your dev. Um, And also, if you're working with anyone else, it means that you can kind of like a line what you're doing as well, which is really useful. Mm -hmm. And it gives you kind of like a, it gives you a neutral metric to test things against so that when you're sort of like discussing, when you're inevitably discussing something that you disagree on, like a mechanic that one of you's come up with that the other one doesn't think works in the game or something like that, it gives you something neutral that you can kind of discuss it around, rather than it becoming a clash of egos, as well. Yeah, which is always really useful when you're making stuff with other people, because it doesn't matter how much how good friends you are, sometimes you're going to butt heads on things, and yeah. when people are talking to each other about their own creative ideas and what they've come up with, it can get be pretty hard to keep, stay level headed. But if you can go, okay, but I don't think this is contributing to the goals, here's why. And they can say either, actually, yeah, fair enough. Or they can go, actually, I think this is contributing to the goals, here's why. And you can have a neutral conversation without anybody getting hurt about it. Yeah,
2: Um,
1: And it it stops it from being, I don't want that in the game, I think it's bad as well. Like, I don't think that's a good mechanic. It's Mm. not... a. It's not an argument you should be having with your teammates. You should be discussing, I don't think this fits in this project. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking. There are situations where you can say, that is a bad mechanic and we should not have it. Right. <laughs> um, there are things as bad mechanics. Yeah. They're rare comparatively to neutral mechanics, or good mechanics, but um, they exist.
0: Certainly. Yeah. That's a good take. Um, yeah, I, I can't help, but agree with pretty much everything you just said. Let's it won't really find much argument for me. It's, I'm not sure um, that makes for such a riveting <laughs> conversation, but you know, that's, that's what it's it is. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, it's just, it's just how I've developed my process. Yeah is i start with goals now mm-hmm. um, and they vary a lot like with locus it was horror game not call of cthulhu right it was where we
0: started that's a fair place to start <laughs> um,
1: and then and then it sort of became horror game the place is the evil thing is based on sort of like personal and psychological horror
2: mm-hmm.
1: um the monsters have to be um Monsters like custom monsters to reflect the player characters. Like those were like the main things that became pillars of the system. Um, and then Coffee and Chaos, which we're doing, basically started as I want to make a game about running a cafe that I can print on a menu and that uses cutlery instead of dice. Um, and those were my starting points. So they it was. It's gotta be really small and it uses cutlery instead of dice somehow. Um and we eventually figured out how to do that, which is nice. But that's just yeah, impressive. It was a much a very different kind of like starting point, a very different kind of like angle to kind of take the game design from, because it was very much a mechanical angle rather than a thematic angle. Mm-hmm. Um So and then with Heroes as a roll, it was just I I want to make a game that's Legend of Zelda. I want to do a Legend of Zelda game. So it's kind of like, what's the main pillars of Legend of Zelda? Well, you know, adventure. Um, They tend to be combat-based and puzzle-based. And, um, you know, there's lots of different things you can do. So there's, like, stuff that I want to be able to facilitate in game, like cooking, Mm -hmm. because that was a cool part of Breath of the Wild and... And even outside of Breath of the Wild, food has always been like a major thing in Zelda. Yeah. Like nearly every game has some sort of stuff about food in it. I do. Um, be it like things that Gorons eat and mentions of that, or it'd be like a sub quest where you've got to sort out food for someone or something. Mm-hmm. Like the, the culinary sort of like traits of Hyrule have always kind of been a, a thing. So I wanted to have cooking and food in there. Um, riding animals, like having mounts, was a thing because obviously horse riding has been a major thing since Ocarina of time. Yeah. Um, the other ones, uh, music. It doesn't currently have a music system because I made one and it was garbage, so it got removed. Right. It will be. Music
0: I feel existing. like that would be a kind of a tough thing to implement uh, into a tabletop RPG. Uh, well, I mean, no, I you know, there's... Cards, yeah, I but, mean, there's ways you could do it, but I mean, other than just, like, oh, you use your magic flute to cast your magic, you know, other than that, you, a bard isn't really all that far removed from a sorcerer. Uh, no, they're basically... in like, Dungeons and Dragons that. terms, for example. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: Which is what I wanted to avoid, but yeah. I haven't figured out how to do it yet. hmm But I will. I'll figure something out. Um, mm. Like I have this whole idea of having instruments and like melodies, and depending on your tribe or the tribes that you kind of like associate with um, to start with, depending on what you can kind of like start out with. But the idea would be that you kind of like can do stuff like if you're a Goron, they teach drums a lot more often than other things, so it's yeah. easier. So you like can start with drums, but you can potentially use drums to play Korok songs and mm-hmm. that you'll get like, a different type of effect. If you use Goron's drums to play a Korok song and stuff like that, that was kind of what I wanted to go for. But um, the, the framework that I originally made up for it just didn't quite work.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And so, then of course you uh, got to have bagpipes, right?
1: Uh, don't, have bagpipes at the moment. There's
0: no bagpipes. Come on, man. Well, just for that I'll I'll play a bagpipe tune because I I forgot to play any bagpipes earlier. I was supposed to do a couple of tunes, so I'll I'll Amazing. do one now instead. Um so for you this will come through weird because Discord picks it up funny, but it should sound okay on the stream.
1: Wait. No, I do have bagpipes. They're hylian Oh, sweet. Highland bagpipes. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Not, not like the, the...
0: <laughs> or you could give, of course, the Deku pipes are like kind of a bagpipe, right?
1: Don't have Deku's yet. Okay. No, Deku have, scrubs are not have available. Dekus, right? available, yeah. available
0: but yeah, anyways, uh, so we'll do one bagpipe tune to lead us out because I, I think we're winding down on the conversation here. We've, But yeah, it's, cool. it's been actually a, a really fun time. So we'll have uh, yeah, uh, one f- uh, bagpipe tune and then we'll have our final segment of the podcast, which is always a ton of fun. Um, so what's your favorite bagpipe tune? Put you on the spot there. You didn't expect that, did you?
1: I mean, I'm half Scottish and I don't have a favorite bagpipe tune. I just oh, really like right. the sound of bagpipes. I like, I haven't been taught any like bagpipe stuff, so I don't <laughs> know any songs specifically, but I do think that they sound great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's serenade me.
0: All right. I shall serenade you, good sir. Um, <laughs> I don't know any songs about tea, so I, I played that one, which uh, I wrote for a, uh, a mead hall that uh, originally started, actually, as a, a little tea shop. Uh, they started oh, nice. as, like, a tea place that you could come, and they had, like, a bunch of board games and stuff, so you could play tabletop games while you drink your tea, and had uh, they had, like, uh, e hookah. And uh, later on, they expanded into a larger space, and they had a giant like uh, community table in the middle. And they were actually the best mead bar in town because they had like a crapload of different meads on tap. And it's it's awesome. around my area, it's very rare to find like one mead on tap, and these guys had like a wow. bunch.
2: uh, God, so.
1: it's, it, where where we are. Mead is like seasonal. Mm-hmm. You don't find it in supermarket. Like you can only find it in shops at certain points of the year, uh-huh. usually. Like, it's yeah. just not a thing you can just get.
0: Yeah, you can get popular. it if you go to, like, specialty liquor stores have it around here because there is a Colorado mead maker uh, called Redstone um, Meadery oh. up in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, and they distribute around the state pretty well. So most big liquor shops will have their stuff. Um, mm. But other than that, it's it's uncommon to find any uh like most places and it's very very few bars i've seen with with the redstone on tap Mm -hmm. Uh, but this place had redstone and uh viking blood which is a a good it's it's a very interesting mead with um uh it's made with uh some kind of flower uh i'm trying to think of what it was called but it's uh it's a it's a very interesting it's like it's 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 hard even for me too. Is it's ranks in something at like nineteen uh, percent or something alcohol by volume. So it's Ooh. it gets you there pretty quick. Uh, and they, they have all sorts of different stuff. Yeah, Oof. yeah, it was, it was really good. But you sometimes you were in for a hangover. But yeah, that was <laughs> one of my favorite places. And unfortunately, the one of the many small businesses that got you know murdered by a pandemic. Yeah. So. Uh. That's a real shame. Yep, but such as, such as life, I suppose. Uh, so thank you again, Jack, or at T Crusading, if you want to uh, check this guy out on the Twitter, uh, you can find him there, uh, or at Cobblepath uh, for Cobblepath Games. Uh, they uh, do other stuff, as we have talked about. If you've been paying attention, if you have not been paying attention, then you have to drink. <laughs> I haven't been paying attention. That's why I'm drinking out of a fucking flower pot.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you so
0: much for having me on. This yeah, yeah. This has been All a right. fun time. So, uh, yeah. Uh, if you ever happen to find yourself this way again at, at this ungodly <laughs> oh, sorry, hour in haven't. the night, <laughs> uh, then we'd love to have you on. I, I was a little sad that my co-host wasn't here because he's a lot more big into uh, designing stuff than I am. Uh, we've we've both designed a fair amount of stuff but but he he really gets into the meat of it and has published several different things on drive through RPG and stuff so if, uh, Oh cool. Yeah, so we'll uh uh shout out to him if you want to look up five cataclysms uh, Core Rules Beta Edition, that is uh, from our good co-host, that's available on Drive Through RPG. You can pick that up for any price you want, including zero dollars and zero cents. So uh, no. he always recommends that you pick it up for free, and then if you like it and want to support more content, then you know, then you can donate through Drive Through RPG that way. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a kind of an interesting old school D and esque. System, um, and he's cool. got several modules up there too. Is it also on itch? I don't know. He always plugs in on RPD, uh, it on drive through RPD RPG.
1: there's a thing called Five Cataclysms on itch apparently, but I don't know if it's the same
0: one. Okay. Hmm. Um, it seems unlikely that somebody else would have the same name. Yeah. But it's... I, think,
1: I think it is the same one. Cool. Okay, then
0: it's it's possible. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to yeah. confirm that with Chris tweet buy at sense. shatter spike one and tell him hey is this the right thing
1: if you uh, want to support if you want to support the developer buy it on itch yeah yeah um because it's we get a way bigger cut um I'm trying for rpg takes an absolute obscene cut mm-hmm. um Good but <laughs> uh, but get it wherever you like buying games because yeah, yeah. buying the game is still brilliant yeah and then rate it well
0: yeah yeah and if you're interested in uh, Jack's content, you can check him out on Twitter. For uh, uh, He's got links there to his uh, Zelda RPG if you want to look into that. And at CobblePath, like I said, has links to their stuff. Uh, you can check it out. It's all cool stuff, I'm sure. I, I, I actually am more interested in your horror game now. I'm going to... I'm going to have to look that up after we're done here. So uh, now we uh, come to the final segment of the podcast where we just ramble on about inane bullshit until somebody says something really awkward. And then I cut off the podcast at the most awkward sentence possible. So, uh, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 more fun that way. And I mean, we've already told you that a game is releasing on literally the date 69. So, I mean, it's it's going to be hard to one up ourselves here, but I, I think we can do it. I, I believe in us. We are we are professionals, professionals who drink out of flower pots. The smell of this clay really like it, it smells like like coppery almost. And that like it it detracts a lot from the beer. I feel like this beer would be much better in a non copper smelling clay pot.
1: Does it flavor the beer at all, though?
0: not that I can tell but it it does certainly distract from the flavor of the beer because you're getting that nose of copper instead of that nose of chocolate porter which are slightly different flavors
1: I'm I'm honestly quite impressed that the copper's outweighing the chocolate porter smell
0: Yeah Because like, I thought
1: that would be pretty hefty
0: Yeah like I I like actually just shoving my nose in here and I I can like very barely smell the beer over the copper. So this is a a zero on our scale of three to 17. If if you pay attention to our rating system, this is not a good drinking vessel, but the beer is pretty good despite that. Can I just plug my nose while I drink?
1: I might have to steal your rating system. I'm quite fond of the idea of just moving the goalposts rather than the score. Everything's always ten, but it's ten out of something else. It's different every time.
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: so how good it
0: is. Our uh, our yeah our scoring system we actually based on uh, Dungeons and Dragons ability scores where you roll your 3d6 and you get a number randomly between 3 and 18. But we decided most of the time if you get an 18, you're probably cheating. So we reduced that. So it's a scale of 3 to 17.
2: Uh, So 3
0: is like the worst epic terrible beers. And we have given scores lower than that because they have racial penalties to being a beer. (laughs) Uh, Not often. I I think we've had very few that were, were that bad. Uh, and every now and then we do cheat and give something an 18. We'll, we're like, yeah, this is a good enough beer that we'll cheat for it. So.
1: Fair play. That's quite cool. I like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh. The only problem is that I have to explain that like 80% of the time. If I have a guest and I'm like, this is a six on a scale of three to 17. They're like, what the fuck are you talking about?
1: <laughs> Question is, how many of the beers have you tasted have dark vision? Because everything in 5th Ed has dark vision except for humans. And cats apparently. Cats? Which, yeah, which I'm genuinely angry about. I, I learned this the other day. Cats in
0: D&D 5th Ed don't have dark vision. That is strange. Just, just, I, don't I'm like, literal cats have like good dark vision? Isn't that a thing? Yes.
1: Yeah. And everything has dark vision in 5th Ed except humans. So it's like... But you didn't give it to cats who have dark vision, Clearly. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's not okay. Like, who designed that game?
0: I don't know. Sometimes I drink enough until I think I have dark vision.
1: But <laughs> that's just the lights going out, isn't it?
0: <laughs> Could be. Just they're turning the street lights off, and now I have to stumble home in the dark. <laughs> uh
1: oh. Oh, man. On that note, the sun has come up here. Wow which is
0: horrifying that's just impressive and i'm <laughs> a little sorry uh we had <laughs> another right. guy on from uh, uh from over there one time uh and uh i think he like got up extra early instead of staying up extra late for it so i'm like i'm not really sure which one would be better
1: i am not a morning person
0: me neither, Sorry. so I, I feel like that's what I would have did, especially if I was going to drink. Like, yeah. uh, although he didn't drink either, because he's like a non-drinking kind of a guy. He's, he's an alright dude, but, it, you know, I'm, I'm always yeah. perfectly happy when I meet somebody else who doesn't drink, because that means there's more beer for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I probably should have checked the, uh, the time difference at some point before, like...
0: Yeah, it was funny because somebody no, else be. uh, like chimed in uh, like on our little back and forth tweet conversation. And they were like, hey, uh, uh, are you interested in having another guest about this topic? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And they're like, OK, what time do you record? And I'm like, 930 p.m. U.S. Mountain Time. He's like, oh, that won't work for me. I'm in Britain. I'm like, oh, OK. And and you didn't say anything. So I had no idea you were in Britain until like, uh, you know, uh last week i think you were like hey what uh what time zone is is mountain time i'm like a uh, u.s mountain time you're like ah oh, <laughs> i get myself into you, so... you said
1: mountain time and i didn't know u.s mountain time was a thing yeah so i assumed it was just like a colloquialism like you know like between sort of states in the u.s you'd just be like oh i'm mountain time and like would like, know where that meant And I was like, I I don't know what that means. So, like, which time zone? And you're like, U.S. Mountain Time. And I was like, I did not know U.S. Mountain Time was an official time zone. That's...
0: Yeah, it it doesn't come up much if you don't live in the U.S. Mountain Time Zone. (laughs) Because, like, it's funny. Like, uh, I haven't, like, watched regular TV in a long time. But for, like, the longest time, like, all TV in America would say, this is the time in Pacific, in Central, and in... uh, eastern times and they would not say mountain because like the only big population center is here in denver in in pretty much the whole mountain time zone like there's there's a couple like i think phoenix might be mountain time zone but it i'm not sure uh it might be far enough uh one way or the other. So it's it's like there's like one or two big pockets of population in the whole time zone. So like, wow. like not even people in America even always realize that mountain time exists. Oh, that was funny. which is it is kind of weird though because uh, a couple of weeks ago we had our canadian buddy on here and he was also in mountain time zone and i think that's the first time that's happened because usually i get guests on and they're in california or new york or something and we have wow. to figure out the time difference and and it was <laughs> like sweet finally somebody else is here but he's in he's in canada so he's not really here <laughs> but yeah
1: Oh, uh, it's really interesting like, like yeah just so weird and yeah 430 a.m. I think this is the latest stream I've done um so far I've done a few late night ones but not 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 this late
0: <laughs> all right well thank you for joining us again we will
1: to be honored we will gladly
0: um. drink to you if you're if you're yeah. in our live audience then then drink to Jack or if you're yeah, catching that's this that's up that's on uh, on the you know, something else audio version <laughs> later drink anyway that's it's your god-given right or or something uh, i don't know anything about that i know that beer is delicious that's what i know (laughs) (sighs) we're really bad at saying awkward things tonight
1: yeah i'm i'm not
0: Usually something awkward Uh, is said like shortly after I say this is the awkward thing cut off time, and then and then somebody just says something weird and and I'm British. We're bad at this. Right? Yeah, you're you're too polite.
1: Yeah, you're like too kind of like stuck up.
0: Right? You're more polite than the Canadian guy I had on. Although you know, to be fair, he also drank like five beers during the stream, so you know, (laughs) which it's uh. one of these weeks I'm going to have to one up him because I've had five drinks on the podcast before, but I've never had five beers on the podcast before. So in one oh, of the yeah. upcoming weeks, I have to be like, show him who's boss. Like this is my podcast. You can't drink more on my podcast than me. I'm going to drink a whole fucking six pack and it's going to be great.
1: Do it. <laughs> no, I hope it's great. <laughs> Not just, a
0: it will either be great or horrifying and terrible but you know one way or the other it couldn't it can't be worse than the time i was streaming undertale and i rubbed hot sauce in my eye
1: that doesn't sound great or like a good idea
0: it wasn't (laughs) (laughs) why Uh, well, I, I always have a cocktail, like I, like I said, Sean drinks something stupid, and there was, um, some kind of Fire Emblem news or something, so I decided to make a Fire Emblem-inspired cocktail, and so I was like, okay, it has to have some kind of fiery kick to it, uh, so I put in some hot sauce, among whatever the other ingredients are, and, uh, Uh, I think I I, like mixed it around with a cinnamon stick and then I took the shot and then it was like, oh, man, it's really like it was really spicy because the hot sauce like got all congealed at the top of the bottle somehow. So I actually scraped it out of the bottle with the cinnamon stick and and swirled it around in my whiskey or whatever. I I think it was. Yeah, I think it was literally whiskey and hot sauce and a cinnamon stick. So I, I took this shot and I was like, oh, man, that's really really hot and you know it's it's all making my eyes water and everything and i'm like trying to rub the my watery eyes and all that and then i realized that you know i had touched the hot sauce in order to uh create this cocktail and i realized what i had done and i was just like oh god oh god (laughs) I hold on guys that I, I like, I threw off my headset. I just had to go to the sink and fucking rinse my eyes out for like 10 minutes. I felt, I felt so stupid to have 10 minutes of just, I'm sure like the bare minute, the bare, like psh, of the sink was probably on the stream and that's all they got for 10 <laughs> minutes. And then I came back with a towel on my face. I'm just like, that was the fucking stupidest thing I've ever done on stream. <laughs> it was great. And, and terrible. Mostly terrible, but also great.
1: Do it for the views. Do it for the views.
0: I'll, you know, if, if I get more views, I will rub hot sauce in my eyes again. Don't say that! <laughs> a lot more views. People will take it off! <laughs> That's not a risk to take. Is there a risk not to take?
1: I think there's plenty of I guess, risks. I
0: guess there are probably plenty of risks not to take, like... uh
1: like setting up a, um, a sort of online tracker for how many times your players beat up a lesbian
2: during Pride Month and posting it on Twitter. That's a, that's a risk not to take. <laughs>